Welcome everyone to Millennial Sex, True Stories podcast. I'm actually sitting in my windowsill right now, like, so you might hear the streets of New York, but it's just for our intro, and we're going to jump right into the podcast. Shout out to Joelle in Houston, who left me the sweetest voicemail recently. I enjoyed listening to that, and thanks for being a fan. So our podcast today is featuring a great guest. Her name is Liara Rue, and she's kind of like an infamous badass escort. And um, I mean, she's, I think she's a little more than an escort at this point, but she's an infamous badass escort, and I think that's a fair way to describe her. Um, and so she is our guest, and she's going to talk with us uh, for a while about all kinds of cool things. Her dirty stories are at the very end, but in the meantime, you know, we talk about everything. And um, and we talk especially about her forthcoming book, Whore of New York, A Confession. So super excited to have this badass former escort on our site and on our podcast talking about her book and talking about her wealth of knowledge in life. Now, um, in honor of our guest, Liara, we do have um, a sex work-themed episode. So, for our charity for the week, uh, we'll be doing the Sex Worker Outwork Project USA. So, their website is swopusa.org. So, if you'd like to donate to them or um, help support in any way in honor of Liara that would be really great or in honor of our podcast of course always appreciated Um, remember we like to get deviant for a good cause on this podcast now the second exciting thing that we have in line with this podcast is well I ordered copies of Liara's book and I'm prepared to give away a free copy of her memoir Whore of New York to one special fan of millennial sex in order to win the free copy of this book you must answer the following question correctly and send it to me by email at millennialsex at gmail.com text it or leave me a very clear and easy to understand voicemail at 917-410-0348 I prefer text, okay? So if you want to win, you're going to have to send me the answer to this question one way or another. Now, here's the question for the memoir, Horror of New York by Liara Rue. Here's the question. So what is the name of the French teenage escort who became the darling of the fashion elite and a courtesan for the French cultural elite after... She slept with a couple of footballers. If you can answer this question right, you will receive your own free copy of Horror of New York by Liara Rue. So, other than that, guys, let's just jump right into it. And thanks for listening to Millennial Sex Podcast. It's so exciting you have this book coming out called... Horror of New York, a confession, yeah. right? Yeah. Tell us about it. Um, it's just a memoir writing about um, like 
why I decided to become a sex worker and how I got into it and everything you know that affected my decision and how I liked the industry once I got into it um, I wanted to write it just because I get asked all the time um, you know like oh like how could you do sex work like you know isn't it terrible or you know a lot of people have a lot of crazy ideas about what the industry is like and I wanted to write something that you know didn't uh, there's a lot of stuff that paints people as absolute victims or makes it seem super glamorous and I want to show that like any job there's days that are really good and there's days that are really bad but at the end of the day it is just a job <laughs> it's a memoir so it's all true it's definitely fictionalized uh, just to protect different people's identities you know I don't want to um, necessarily make it too obvious like who I'm writing about I think what people always say about memoirs is that the the like emotional weight behind it is true. The exact details and circumstances are often moved around a little bit just to make sure everyone's anonymity is protected. Mm -hmm. So, in this book, are you basically just talking about like sex work and your sexual experiences and different things that have happened to you in a sexual context or in um, New York? Of course that, but um, also a bunch of other things. You know, it is it is a very sexy and fun book, but it also sort of deals with you know the political uh, ramifications with being a sex worker in America and all of the the challenges that come along with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that so it's basically the sex work itself. Your hot girl life in New York yeah. and um, the challenges that come along with doing sex work as a as a an anti-state agenda right yeah exactly sweet sounds really fun and interesting for sure I mean I don't know if you ever heard of this book you probably have it was called confessions of a video vixen yeah it was yeah. like a big bestseller and it was very similar like you know she uh but she slept with a lot of famous people, and of course she didn't say their names, but you could tell who she was talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of confessions of books from, from sex workers. Yeah, but you've also like hooked up with like famous people, right? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I was reading on your one of your sites, you said you had like, an accidental threesome with Justin Bieber. Oh yeah, did you read this story? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to go back and read it, I guess. You have relationships with like tech billionaires. I must have um, read that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I got all kinds of. I met all kinds of people in in San Francisco. You know. Uh huh. So what's that like? What's it like, like being an escort for a billionaire? I mean, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's uh. I mean, it sort of depends on the person. I had friends who saw people who were, you know, not great, but I think for for me, the way I set up my brand, I really wanted to attract a certain type of client um, that I would actually genuinely get along with, um, and so I got a lot of, like, very, like, you know, sort of weird, interesting people that I usually had a fair amount of interest in common with. Um, I mean, obviously, there's always a, a power dynamic in place when someone has a lot more money in any sort of you know, relationship, you know, whether it's professional or not. Um, but I think the 
the people I was hanging out with were luckily pretty aware of that and usually made me feel pretty comfortable. So that was cool. Yeah, I imagine. Um, <laughs> like your Instagrams, like well, what was the one you were like? I hate Paris. Wow, I hate Paris. Was you're like <laughs> trying on all these like ten thousand dollar outfits yeah. piece and like. <laughs> and I was like, this must be one of the tech billionaires, like, um... Well, neither confirm nor deny who, who flew <laughs> me out to Paris. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it was, like, a hand or something in one of the pictures. Oh, yeah. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you get. <laughs> yeah. But that's exciting. I think that's, like, in some way, like, everybody's, like, princess fantasy on mm. some level, that, like, we get, like, treated to this whirlwind romantic trip with tons of expensive gifts and um, pampering of all sorts. So, but that's like your life, huh? Your regular life? Yeah, it's hard to complain. <laughs> yeah. So I was doing some research, obviously, and I read the article that you wrote for Vice like three years ago. Mm. And in it, like, you were talking about your family mm. in the beginning, and you said you come from a really, like, religious religious home? Yeah, my, my parents were pretty religious, so um, they did not know what to do with me. <laughs> um, I think for them it was, you know, very challenging to raise a child that was, I was always super precocious and like asking the wrong questions and everything. I think it was a lot for them to handle, but I finally talked with my mom about what it is that I do and she was, uh, Pretty understanding, I think, as far as her her religious beliefs will allow her to be. But I think, you know, my upbringing was, you know, part of why I decided to go into this line of work, you know, just because it was always so bad. <laughs> How could I not want to do it? <laughs> so the forbidden aspect of it is arousing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean... I, I wouldn't even necessarily say arousing necessarily, but just like very intriguing. It's like, oh, you know, like, why is everyone telling me not to do this so much? Like, it must be really fun. <laughs> this is nothing we haven't heard before. <laughs> Stereotypes of the Catholic yeah. girl, the Mormon girl, the, yeah. all that. Um, what, what, did you feel like you were like sheltered in a way and it was like a way to get out there? I think, you know, growing up in the city, it's hard to be too sheltered. You, you know? grew up in New York City? Mm-hmm. Uh, so your family's religious, but they're from New York City? Yeah, it's a trip. They're, like, definitely, you know, odd ones out. Um, but, I mean, there's there's literally everyone in New York, you know. It's, it takes all kinds. <laughs> oh, so you grew up in Manhattan or, like, other borough? Manhattan. Okay. This is getting more interesting. <laughs> I thought when you said like big religious families, and you'd be like some family like in their big house in Kansas with their farm or something. And oh, like, oh my god! god. And you're like no, not a cat nights. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I get why maybe your mom can handle it a little. She's like yeah. I've seen it all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was like trying to find your like sex work stuff. Uh, I saw you had like. A Twitter, but you hadn't posted on it for two years. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really look on any other pages, but I just wondered, like, do you advertise, or do, are you just like purely through like Instagram and whatnot? 
OnlyFans? Um, yeah, I don't really meet up with people who contact me online anymore, usually. You know, it's... Um, mainly right now, I just see people that I know already, um, just because I know them. We have, like, a good dynamic going, um, you know. Maybe, like, sometimes if someone writes me, like, a very intriguing note, you know, I'll consider it, but... Um, yeah, no one's really been that enticing in a bit, which is fine, you know. Mm. I gotta be impressed, you know. <laughs> so, like, what I get from this, and, like, let me know if I'm misinterpreting in any way, but I kind of, like, get from this that, like, your sex work is so lucrative that you don't need to advertise, you don't need to take any new clients, and even without that, it's incredibly lucrative, is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So would you consider yourself more like a courtesan in a way than like Honestly, I really hate that word because I feel like, I don't know, it's sort of cheesy <laughs> in a way. I mean, it's a good way to get around censorship or whatever, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not. I feel like someone like Naomi Campbell is like a courtesan. You know, she might not appreciate that. <laughs> but like, you know, if we're talking about like old school, like, you know, French courtesans that were like just beautiful women who were taken care of by like the political elite, like, I mean, that's Naomi Campbell, right? Yeah, I would say, you know, you're also a beautiful woman. If, you're, if you have like millionaires and billionaires that you know that take you out and to the point that you don't even have to find anyone new to go out with. Um, <laughs> that's kind of how I see it. Like, it's just so high-end that you're, like, not even... There's no menu, even. Like, mm -hmm. there's no price list. There's no... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, like, that kind of restaurant. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I, it would be pretentious for me to call myself that. But if you want to call me that, you can go ahead. How would you define your brand for people that don't know you? Um, so my brand, uh, it's probably like a mixture of like very cutesy, um, you know, like anime nerd stuff. Um, but then I also have a lot of, you know, like more sophisticated, sexy stuff in there. Um, which I think the combination of like, for a certain type of guy, like is really like, it's a sweet spot where it's like, oh, you know, we can like cuddle and like play video games and like you'll get my like nerdy references, but then also like I can take you out to like a nice restaurant and you'll know how to like eat the food and won't embarrass me type of vibe. <laughs> yeah. So kind of like Julia Roberts, pretty womanish. <laughs> I guess, yeah, although I feel like she's pretty chaotic. In the beginning, yeah, yeah, she had to figure out, like, she became that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a really nice position to be in as a sex worker. People are driven to sex work sometimes because they are dealing with things that make them want to experience life mm. or they need some kind of financial stability. Yeah, financial stability is a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a lot of friends who... Um, got into the industry because um, 
you know, like, I have a lot of friends who got into it, you know, when they were like 16 or 17 and like underage even. They didn't even necessarily want to do the work, but um, because there is no like system that would really take care of people who need to run away from abusive families or anything like that, it was like the one option that they had. Um, and I think some of those people eventually realize that they do like the work and they want to keep doing it. Um, and then other people I know did it for like a year, two years, and then, you know, got their bag, got out, um, and moved into a different industry and were able to, but they, they were able to use sex work to build like a cushion for themselves, you know, so that they could land safely and get out of whatever bad situation they needed to get out of. But, um, yeah, it's not, it's not always a pretty option for everyone. And I know, um, like as someone who advocates for decriminalization and everything, it's really tempting to want to paint a picture of the industry that's like, oh, like, it's just great. And like, I get flown out all the time and like, you know, men treat me really well. And it's like, while that is true for me, it's not true for everyone. And not, not everyone loves the industry. And a lot of people couldn't even cope with what I do. At the end of the day, like, it is work. So I had tried to stay out of the political side of sex work when I first started just because um, I did a lot of activism in my personal life and I didn't really want that to like bleed into my professional life too. Um, but after um, Patreon started shutting down sex worker accounts um, and I was making a lot of money through um, Patreon at the time, I decided I might as well um, start doing organizing with sex workers as well. And it's been really rewarding. It's really tough getting people to see um, from sex workers' perspective, but the community is really beautiful. And I've met so many like really like, lifelong friends through organizing for sex work. It's been really nice. Mm, yeah. I think things like decriminalization are important, but America really just needs, I think a, a lot of the way we treat women does drive people who wouldn't otherwise want to go into sex work to, to do sex work. It's all about my relationship with people. Like, yeah, I've had clients that are women and it's been really wonderful. And then had clients that are men, it's also been really great. And then had clients that are women and it's been terrible and men that are terrible too, you know. So do you consider yourself like more pansexual than like, um, I usually call myself bisexual just because I feel like bisexual is really easy to grasp and straightforward. Okay. I, just, I just like how it sounds better than pansexual. Pansexual, I feel like, sounds like. But it really means the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think people who argue about, like, you know, the differences between the two of them, I'm like, when I say bisexual, I'm like, I'm definitely not, you know, trying to exclude trans people. People know, people know bi means, like, you'll fuck whatever. <laughs> I think for the most part, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You're a slut. <laughs> yeah. I'm a slut. I fuck what I want. <laughs> Do you find it liberating to like say you're a slut or a whore or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Why? Um, I don't know. It's like nice to be able to reclaim these things. Um, a friend was asking me when she saw my book cover, she's like, how does it feel to have like your face like next to the word whore and like knowing that this is going to be on like, like the shelves of like a bookstore and people will just like see your face and associate it with the word whore and I was like well like it's true you know and for a lot of people they already have that association and 
Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, it's something that I'm proud of. I think, you know, I have a very special skill set. Um, and I'm really proud of it. And obviously, you know, I'm very privileged to be able to get away with, you know, saying and doing all of that and not really be worried about repercussions, you know. Um, but I think because I have those privileges, in a way, it's sort of my responsibility to, to do stuff like that, you know, to do what I can to destigmatize it and talk about my experiences so that it can feel more normal for people in like the Midwest or whatever. <laughs> I think because I don't, you know, explicitly do um, escorting anymore and I haven't in a while um, and the statute of limitations has expired for all of that. So, I mean, at this point, I'm literally not doing anything illegal and I can just you know, talk about it. Yeah. Do you make a lot from like your online stuff? like? OnlyFans and things that mm -hmm. don't actually have to contact people. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, yeah, I saw you have a lot on OnlyFans, but um, I, I don't know. I thought like it only works for some people or maybe it's not as popular anymore or something. I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah. I think it, it sort of depends on what you have going on. Um, but I, I have other businesses besides like OnlyFans um, and whatever too, you know, that I don't necessarily post about online just because they're not necessarily something I want to be having associated with the art room, at least not right now. So. Oh, okay. Like professional mm -hmm. stuff. In your adventures of um, Liera Rue, I noticed like in one of them you were like pegging the guy. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, I, I guess I just wondered about <laughs> What is there to wonder? But I just wonder like, is that something you do a lot? Like, is that like something that a lot of clients like? Um, is it, uh, I don't know. Yeah, what? I love pegging. I'm you know, often really open to people's preferences, but I'm definitely more of a top, usually. And that's, I think, where I really shine. And I think it's hard for men to find someone who will be into pegging, but also is sort of fine with, like, vanilla stuff, too. Um, and is also into the more, like, companionship stuff, and they can sort of, like, travel with me, and I'll be, like, really chill and, like, discreet. Um, so... Yeah, the pegging is a it's a popular one. Yeah, I did. So I did a podcast called The Peace Spot, Male Sexuality, The Peace Spot. I'm like, it was really popular. Guys were emailing me and they were like, this really helped me. I didn't even know about this. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the prostate is like magic, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you say like you really shine as a top. Is there yeah. any, can you tell us anything more about that? I mean, I like topping in general. And I, I sort of consider giving giving head to be topping too because I um like when I was younger I mainly had sex with women um and so you know when you're a lesbian and you're topping usually that is about you know going down on someone um and getting them off um and so when I started having sex with men a lot more too I was like oh I still really love giving head and like of course guys are just like oh yeah it's like a submissive thing for me to be you know receiving a blowjob from you but I think the way I do it it's like you know I'm like all right I lay down I'm gonna like you know finish you off mm -hmm. um and I think yeah people really like the enthusiasm be still like let me just you know 
Yeah, let you <laughs> be the dominant one. Yeah. Um, yeah, although probably a lot of the guys I give blowjobs to don't think of it that way, but that's how I'm thinking of it. Yeah, well, there are definitely two ways to give a blowjob. Yeah. Just like there are two ways to get kind of lingus, right? You can yeah. lay back and someone can like lick your clit or you can put be your right whole ass their on face. their face mm-hmm. and smother their whole face. Yes. You know, two totally different ways <laughs> of doing it. Yeah. So, so it sounds like you're more on the dom side sexually, but then you're like, you kind of give off this generally vanilla vibe. So it's like non-threatening. But yeah. And also like, you know, a lot of the guys I'm with, they don't necessarily want people to know that, you know, they're like into all that kinky stuff. And like a lot of the guys I see, they, they genuinely aren't into any kinky stuff. So like they know if they're like walking around with me, no one's going to be like, oh yeah, like he likes it up the ass. Right. Know? Yes. It's our little secret. Your sweet little feminine thing. One of the guys I see, he told me, he's like, it's really nice because you're both my beard and my boyfriend, which I really liked. Hmm. <laughs> Double up. Yeah. <laughs> you feel like men, like affluent men or men in positions of power crave submission? Sometimes, but also sometimes they are just like control freaks in all aspects of life too. Mm. Yeah, I've seen, I've definitely seen it both ways. Do you have like a story you thought of that you'd like to share? Something mm. really fun that's going to make everybody entertained and make them want to read your book, of course, because your book is full of these stories. Yeah, I guess one um, I didn't tell in my book. This was during a period where I was working a lot with this girl that I was kind of dating. And so every booking was just like sort of way more fun because we would frequently get booked together. Wait, you were being booked for what? What kind of work? Um, Escorting. Yeah. Um, And so we would do doubles a lot together, basically. Um, This is basically a lot of three ways. Um, And we get there and there's this like super hot guy. You know, he's like really tall, like ripped. Um, like really funny like smart and sweet and he's like taking us out to like this really nice restaurant and we're sort of like oh like what's his deal you know and we get back to the hotel and he's like okay like you know we're like taking off his clothes and he's like okay 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 like I really need to like tell you guys something like before we go any further and we're like okay like you know what is it that you want he's like I am not really into sex and we're sort of like okay like yeah that's like fine we can just hang out or whatever you know and he's like well like I brought some stuff you know um and maybe you guys can use it he's like if it's not too weird like maybe you'll be into it um he's like it's I feel like you girls like would be into it um and so he pulls out this pie tin, like, you know, the tins they sell in the grocery store that are, like, for, for baking pies in, um, and a, a thing of, like, shaving cream, and he's like, I really want you to pie me, and then use your feet to rub it in, and use your feet to, like, jerk me off, he was like, is that okay, and we are like, yeah, sure, like, <laughs> sure, like, we'll do that, so, like, we fill up all these pie tins with shaving cream, and we're just, like, pieing him, and then we're also just, like, spraying the shaving cream all over him, and he's, like, this beautiful man, you know, and now he's, like, 
got this like shaving cream dripping down his abs and it's like all over his face and he's like moaning we're rubbing our feet like all over him and then we both start like giving him like a foot job which is like you know you basically are just like um like putting both feet on either side of their cock and like moving up and down um and he like came really hard really fast and we were just like wow like you know that was amazing like definitely one of my like most fun sexual experiences i feel like it wasn't even that weird because like he was having so much fun i feel like i often feel weirder about sex if the the other person is like clearly uncomfortable but he was just like so into it and having such a great time that i was just like yeah like this is totally normal and then like looking back you're like okay like that's definitely weird but it was so much fun that you know <laughs> yeah that sounds great i can totally see like his hot body under all the shaving cream yeah no it's definitely something i think back on fondly from time to time when i've got my uh my vibrator out you know oh wow yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah, that's like a great sex work story, you know, because like you guys had fun, you're with your friend, you go out and hang out in the town, yeah. and you just like cover this hot dude in shaving cream, and like yeah. jerk him with your feet, you barely have to do anything. Yeah, easy money, easy money. Yeah, definitely. That's fun. Yeah. And what, do you have another one? Ooh, another one. Um, Has anything like weird ever happened? Oh, like... Oh, I have this one really gross story with this guy who, like, I kind of had to throw out. Um, so this is, like, one of those stories where I'm really glad that at this point, like, I was a pretty experienced sex worker, so I sort of, like, knew how to manage him. Um, but this one is really nasty. Um, so this guy came over, and he was so old. He was, like, in his 80s, you know? Um, and he was like, I'm an adult baby. Like, I'm really into that. I was like, okay, you know, dealt with that before, and, like, that's fine. And, he, like, at first he was just, like, sucking on my boobs, and it was fine. And he's like, I really want you to fuck me in the ass. I was like, okay, you know, I put on the strap on. Um, and I'm like, all right, you know, go to the restroom, see if there's anything more you need to clean out. And I was like, you, like, did all the prep work already, right? He's like, oh, yeah, of course, of course. Um, and then he comes back out and I'm fucking him and then all of a sudden all of this like diarrhea comes out and it's just like so nasty like so nasty like it's like I always lay down a towel just in case like some stuff comes out but it was like all over the bed and I was on tour so I was like I'm gonna have to sleep in this bed and it's like now like covered in shit like it was like a stream of shit and I was just like, I was like, you told me you cleaned out that you'd like prepared. And he's like, oh, sorry, like I must have missed some. But it's the type of thing where I was like, no, he did not miss anything. He did not do any prep work. He's just like an old man with a loose asshole that just like is coming in here and defiling my bed. Um, and so I was like, okay, we're not doing anything more. We're not doing anything more. Um, but I'm like trying to be, you know, chill about it. I'm like, all right, you know, like I'll just charge you a little extra so that I can get like a new room to sleep in because obviously I'm on tour. I'm not going to be able to sleep here. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. Like whatever, you know. Um, and we're just like hanging out on the couch talking. 
Um, and he was telling me around around this time, like the charges had just been brought against Bill Cosby. Um, and he was like, oh, like I miss those days. He's like, really, Bill didn't do anything too long. He's like, I used to get all kinds of girls. He's like, I like to say I had the gift of gab. And if that didn't work, I would just slip them a quaalude. I was like, whoa, dude, like, whoa, like, not only do you shit all over my bed, but now you're basically telling me that you used to date rape girls all the time, like, just casually, like, admitting that with, like, no shame whatsoever, um, and so, um, I basically was just like, all right, like, this guy is not going to be in my space anymore, so... Um, I made something up about like contacting the hotel. I was like, oh, I'm gonna need them to like switch rooms. So like, um, you're gonna need to get out because like they're coming over like right now, and like I don't want there to be any trouble. Blah blah blah. And he's like, oh, like did I offend you? I was like, oh no, like you totally didn't offend me. Ha ha ha. Like what? What would you have said that could have like possibly offended me? Um, and got him out of there. Um, and yeah, then. I was just like, oh my god, like, that was like, one of the most disgusting bookings of my life, both just like, psychologically and physically, um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's one of those things where because I was experienced and sort of like, knew how to deal with the situation, I just like, got him out of there, but if I had been like, a baby, you know, and just like, like, what if that had been my first client, you know, it would have been like, an absolute disaster yeah yeah do you is it is it typical that you take people that old because i can see like you an old man with a loose asshole like yeah he's 80 I've been asshole's loose. <laughs> um yeah i mean at the time i saw whoever um and i had a lot of clients that were you know around that age and i really liked them um i think for me you know as long as you know like, obviously, his uh, his grooming was not up to par. But for me, you know, I had a lot of clients in their, like, 70s or 80s that, um, you know, I kind of, like, I would like, you know, like, going out to dinner with them and, like, people staring at us and being like, is that his granddaughter? And then I would, like, sloppily, like, make out with them at the restaurant and, like, grab their ass or something. And, like, they were so old and pervy. They just, like, loved it. They're like, ah, like, everyone's staring at us. And then, like, you know, it was, like, this fun, like, pervy thing that I, I was really into. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. A date with Grandpa. Yeah, honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm such a pervert. I can... As long as the other person is fun and, like, sort of down with that, you know? It's, like, it was more like the guy, older guys that were, like, insecure about it. Where they're like, oh, like, I'm so old. You, like, must think I'm so ugly. And, like, as soon as they say that, I'm just like, yeah, you are ugly. But if an older guy comes and he's like, oh, yeah, like, I'm your pervy older grandpa. And it's so hot and fun. I'm like, yeah, it is hot and fun. Like, this is great, you know? So much of it depends on the energy that they bring. I mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's like pretty funny. Was that in the United States? The tour? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Those are great stories. I have a book coming out in October. Um, it's called Horror of New York. Um, it's a memoir that has a lot of really fun stories, like the one I just shared, but then also 
deals with some of the more practical aspects of sex work and my thoughts on like the politics surrounding it so um if you liked my like funny gross stories then maybe you'll like that um and i also have a little blog that i started recently that you can check out too you can just go to aboutliara.com thank you for listening to millennial sex true stories podcast i'm your host the professor double x and i look forward to our next romp in the bedroom. Good night.